0: Welcome to the Unstoppable CEO Podcast with Steve Gordon.
1: Welcome to the Unstoppable CEO Podcast. I'm your host, Steve Gordon, and I'm really excited to bring this episode to you. This is uh, another bit of a special episode. um, And uh, just to give you a little bit of background and then we'll get into it. um, This episode was actually recorded a couple of months ago from one of our uh, roundtable calls where the subscribers to our uh, Unstoppable CEO Confidential monthly newsletter gather every month uh, on a group call and uh, the call actually got hijacked by my good buddy and uh, client John Curry and John turned the tables on me a little bit and he interviewed me and what we covered I think uh, actually came out um, really 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 well and I think you're gonna get a great deal out of it which is why we're sharing it with you and uh what you're going to hear are the seven principles that we use to uh, basically guide all of the marketing that we do and all the sales um, processes that we create. Um, really, they're they're foundational to our business and foundational to all the work that we do with our clients. And um, and I think you're going to be able to take them and use them as kind of a little checklist to run your marketing past. Um, to make sure that that uh, you've really got the best possible foot forward that's going to work the best for you so um, I hope you enjoy it um, and just note the sound is a little bit different than our normal uh, quality standards um, because of the the way that uh, this was recorded live in our office but um, bear with it I think uh, I think you'll get a ton of really great stuff out of it I got a special treat today I um, I just wrapped up a, a, web, a webinar we did for a, a whole bunch of financial advisors uh, with my good friend and, and uh, longtime client, John Curry. Um, John's here in the office with me. John, say hello to everybody. Hey, folks. So, um, like all of you, John's a subscriber to uh, the, the newsletter, and uh, and he's been a client for, what, what has it been now?
0: About 10 years, nine or 10 years. Long
1: time. So, um, John... At the end of this webinar, we just finished up about a half an hour ago, says, I know you got this other call. I'm going to hijack it. So, uh, That's about right. And I think he's got a good plan. So we're going to start off with that and uh, probably take at least the first half of the call and go through uh, some some things here. And then uh, we'll open it up towards the end, as always, for questions if you have those. But uh, I think this is going to be really beneficial for folks. So, um, so John, I'm going to give you the floor.
0: Very good. Thank you. I'm just wondering how many of you on this call are like me, you get busy, you have good intentions of reading the newsletter as soon as it comes in your hand. I was looking on Steve's desk and I saw the March newsletter, and Steve is somewhere in an envelope at my office because I haven't read it yet. And I saw this and it just made me realize, wow, these are good topics. How about we walk through the newsletter together? So if you have yours handy, grab it. If not. When you go back later and you read it, this will help you even better because you'll have Steve in the back of your head talking to you and walking you through it. So I want to go through this because the concepts you have here are very important. You start off with the title of why do we make it so complicated? Seven principles to simplify getting clients and growing your business. Let's start right there. How did you come up with the headline and talk us through what's on this front page before we get into these seven principles? Um, I'll tell you how the headline came about. It was the week that I was writing
1: this, I had four conversations each with a different one of our clients who they were all looking for the next thing to do related to getting clients. And, um, and instead of, going to the next thing to do, really what you want to do is, is keep it simple and master the things you're doing already, um, especially if you haven't gotten them fully optimized. And it really kind of came out of, a lot of these newsletters come out of the one of those moments where I feel like, okay, I get this, I've, you know, I've had this conversation four times this month. It's now time to, to write about it. And, uh, and that's really where this, this came from. And I started thinking about in our own marketing and in what we try and teach clients, if we really had to boil that down, it really boils down to just a few things. And, it, and, and we came up with, you know as I was doing this, came up with seven principles that as I do our own marketing for our firm and in everything that I'm doing with our clients, these are the things that are always in the back of my mind that I'm thinking about, almost like I'm ticking them off on a list. And, and, and that's where the principles came from.
0: Very good. So can we just jump right into the principles?
1: Well, I think before we do that, I think there's something that's important and it's, it's mindset because you can have the right principles, but if you don't have the right mindset going into it, you're going to still struggle. And one of the things that I see with uh, a lot of the businesses that, that we work with when they first come to us is that getting a client for them is a celebratory event and it should be celebratory because it's cool when you get a client but it shouldn't be an event. And by event, I mean something that happens and you go, wow, that was really cool. I wonder how that happened. And I wonder how I'm going to make it happen again. I have no idea.
0: How do you replicate it?
1: Right. How do you replicate <clears throat> it? And so what we found is that, and this has been really fun to watch. I, I Like this is what gets me like excited in the morning. Um, and everybody listen to this. They don't usually hear me like this. I'm probably not this animated, but um Honestly, to see somebody go through that transformation in their thinking is fun. It's fun to watch because they're, you know, they're often running all over the place trying to do 15 different strategies for getting a client. Actually, they're usually not strategies. They're just some tactic that they heard somebody else mention that, you know, they watched a webinar somewhere, right? Um, I shouldn't say that because we do webinars all the time, but... um, But our stuff is based on principles and they, you know, they, they're doing all these different things and they are driving themselves crazy doing it and not spending, you know, the kind of time doing the, the really important things. And our whole focus is trying to get them to shift from that kind of thinking into thinking like, how can I build at first the simplest possible system that will create a client? What set of three or four or five steps? will result in that, that I can then figure out how to repeat. And when you're doing 15 different things, you never know which one worked to know what am I going to repeat, you know? So that's the mindset shift that has to happen. And I call it the, the event mindset to the systems mindset. And you've
0: got to make that shift. Well, let's be candid. <clears throat> Your mindset impacts everything you do in life. So okay. if my mindset is, is get up in the morning and walk, you know, five minutes versus walking enough to have an impact on my health or taking a 10-pound dumbbell and do it three times and say, wow, great exercise versus a mindset of I'm going to challenge myself and push myself. Agreed? Right. So mindset's key in everything. But let, let me jump on something just a second before you hit these principles. So when you talk about the mindset, what went through my mind as you were describing that is getting focused with your mindset and now by simplifying haven't I eliminated all the other distractions and the nonsense that takes my time my energy screws up my attitude and probably takes me off my mission yeah because if I can get rid of the clutter around me and the distraction around me and focus on just a few things I think that alone enhances your mindset it energizes you And you're more likely to follow through on the game plan. Yeah, I think so, without a doubt. Good, good. Let's talk about principle number one, trust. Well,
1: and and before we jump right into that, I think it's also important to understand that, and I talk about this in the newsletter, um, everybody's chasing tactics. Yep. Okay. And especially if you are following marketing on the internet, because every 30 seconds, it seems like there's some new tactic the, the thing that the, – the danger in that is that if you don't have the principles underlying it, you're going to go into some tactics that are actually going to work against you. Okay, Because either you're not applying them in a way that's in line with these principles or the tactics themselves are in conflict. Can
0: you give us a quick example?
1: Yeah. Um, and you know we, this has happened to us in the past. You see something that seems like a good idea, a good tactic to use. And it turns out that um, it's it's actually working against you. So, um, you know, we we did God a long time ago. Um, we used to really have this. We had this email sequence where we were really driving people right away to want to buy something. And um, I had read somewhere that this is the way you got to do it. It needs to be these four emails in this sequence and here's what they say. And I said, okay, well, let's try that. Let's see how that works. But the problem is I didn't compare it to the principles that we had. And so we were trying to sell something to someone without having built any trust, which is principle number one, we're going to get to in a second. And it didn't work. And not only didn't it work, it eroded trust. It did the exact opposite of what we needed to do.
0: Sabotage. Sabotage.
1: Yeah. Because we were rushing in to make a sale. Um, you know, the, the, the truth is, the more you can push the sale away, the, the more excited the prospect actually gets about the idea of buying. So it violated the, that, that fundamental principle and, uh, and it flopped. And uh, thankfully, we realized it and we changed course, but you know, we probably did that for six months before we realized how stupid it was.
0: Let me ask you this. As good as you are at marketing, do you ever find yourself tempted to take that shortcut and go for the quick sale? Like every day. (laughs) And
1: and, and that's really been a focus over the last two years is getting back to there are really three things we got to do. We got to generate leads, open relationships is the way I like to call it. Right. You've got to nurture those relationships and, and deepen those relationships. And then you've got to give that person who you now have a relationship with a compelling reason to take some next step with you to
0: buy that's it this is a simple simple game well that's especially true in the world i live in in the world of financial services because people are more skeptical now than ever and if you push too hard too quickly you're going to frighten them and they're going to run away or just clam up so i think in all areas of business is true but i can tell you for a fact that in the financial world. As we're coaching other advisors, we see that a lot.
1: Yeah. So um, you asked me about this first principle, trust. And it's the first one for a reason. Um, I think it's the most important because um, a lot of the things that you will see people recommend that you do to attract clients actually erode or completely destroy trust with your prospects, which isn't getting you any closer to the sale. And so this has got to be a filter that anything that you're going to put to the market and any, any phase of your business, your marketing, the way you design your business, any of that stuff, you've got to do it in a way that is helping you accrue trust rather than uh, taking trust away from the relationship you have with your prospects. Um, and and I, I mean, quite honestly, a lot of the tactics that are out there just don't do
0: that. Well, that's the way people are taught, though. Doesn't matter what business you're in, you pick up a magazine, you pick up a book, you go on the Internet. It's the hottest thing today. Do this, and you'll have instant results. Our society is looking for instant results. You don't get instant results. You have to pay the price and do the things necessary, exhibit the behavior to get the results you're looking for.
1: Well, you know, it's interesting you put it that way. Um, I actually find that... that The results come a whole lot faster than people think they're going to come if you follow sound sound principles. principles. So there are some questions that I ask as I'm looking at something we're doing. Um, First and foremost, I ask myself, I try and put myself in the position of if I'm a prospect going through this, am I going to just walk away from this feeling like, oh, my God, this is the most amazing business in the world? Is it going to help me? You know, is it to, as if I'm the prospect, is it going to help me feel like I'm doing business with someone that I'm going to really like, that I'm having a good experience here? Um, I'm asking myself, is it transparent, or am I trying to manipulate? Um, you can manipulate someone into buying and even into spending a lot of money, you know, in a high ticket sale, but the clients that you get that way suck, and they're, they're often, and, and they're not long term. No, and they're not long term, and they don't comply. And everybody on this call is in the business of, of working with clients and giving them advice. And for that to be successful, you have to have the client comply with the advice. Sort of like going to the doctor and him giving you the cure to cancer. And you're going, eh, forget that. Right. I'm not doing that. You know. So if they don't comply, there's no cure delivered. Um, you've got to ask yourself, is it in alignment with your mission? Because there are a lot of things that you could do that might be good, but if it's not in alignment with your mission, it's probably taking you in, in the wrong direction. And related to that, you want to ask, does it actually demonstrate the mission? So, John, we were just on a webinar where we're, you invited um, a, a whole um, group of your colleagues from the, the Guardian Life Insurance Company um, that, that you're affiliated with. Um, you essentially referred them to me. The webinar was a referral kit. One of the comments that we get about the marketing that we do um, is, you know, people will say when they're then on a sales call with us, you know, I was going through that whole webinar. And then I realized everything you're teaching me to do is exactly what you're teaching on the way. Everything you're doing is exactly what you're teaching. It was like a live demonstration. Right. And so anytime you can demonstrate your mission through your marketing, it's going to enhance trust. Um, and so, and I, in the newsletter, I give some examples of that with law firms.
0: Before you go there, wouldn't you also agree, though, that not only are you demonstrating the trust, you're also demonstrating that you're consistent in everything that you do? Oh, yeah. Because, see, if you want to frighten someone, all of a sudden do something totally out of character, out of that's not consistent. So, you're, you're demonstrating the, the trust, but you're also demonstrating that you're a person that follows your own advice. Yeah, well... I,
1: if you don't do that, if you give them that, that kind of jarring experience and things come at them that they're really not expecting because you're, you're not consistent like that, it scares prospects away. Correct. They're looking for safety. They're looking for confidence. We're going to talk about confidence in a few minutes, but um, you know, they're, they're looking for, for all of that, and, um, and so you can't give them that kind of jarring experience.
0: Talk about the examples you have on, on the ads about the attorneys. I know you don't want to cover everything, but can you just at least touch on it?
1: Yeah, so in, in the newsletter, there's examples of commercials from three attorneys. And I know you can't really tell from... We took some, some images of the uh, commercials, but you can't see the content of it. And I described them a little bit. Well, I've
0: seen all of these. You've
1: seen all of them because these are all local to us here in, in Tallahassee. Um, and, you know, you, you've got kind of the typical law firm commercial where you got the guys in suits that look smart and look like they've got some money and probably are pretty professional, you know, and they got their ties and their suits all buttoned up and they're standing around looking like they're having an important conversation, right? The typical, hey, I'm a professional kind of commercial. So that's one of them. And that's fine, you know, but there's no life in it. There's no personality in it. There's no human connection. There's just, hey, I'm an attorney. Look at me. I'm probably pretty smart because I can wear this suit, right? And that's a very typical approach in professional services, whether you're in, in, in law or in consulting or in marketing or in financial services. It's the, we're going to look really important and try and be as credible as possible approach, okay? And it works to a point, but everybody's seen that for a really long time now. And they've been burned by it. Because they know it's easy to go buy a nice suit and to get a decent commercial, you know, or to put a nice brochure together or whatever. So they're not buying it. The second one is kind of the opposite end of that. So this is a guy that thought, well, if everybody in my industry is doing these really stuffy things, I'm going to go the other direction. So he's on there with cartoon dogs and just, I mean, it, it's awful. It, you look at that, and, I go, and I, every time I see these, they play these in the morning. On the local news station that, that my wife likes to watch and I go God, how is this guy getting any business whatsoever because I wouldn't give him a dime he looks like a joker so and, and in the image there he's reaching out if you've got the newsletter you'll see this he's reaching out of the computer screen handing the prospect a phone the injured prospect because these are all personal injury guys Okay, like, come on. Okay, that that's eroding trust right there in the best clients. Maybe it's getting him some clients, but in the best clients, the ones that are going to pay you a premium, that kind of stuff is going to erode trust. Then you've got the third guy and um, he's the 800 pound gorilla in personal injury law, at least in Florida and about half dozen other states. Yes, he is. And um, and a, a, a multi, multi, multi mega millionaire because of it. Okay, so I take that as a clue. Maybe he knows what he's doing with his advertising and he gets on there and he's in the suit and he's in the office, you know, the big dark wooded office and all of that, that the other attorney, the first example had. And instead of talking about himself and his firm, he talks about the problem that his ideal client has. Every one of his commercials is about those problems, except a few of them. And a few of his commercials are about him as a person or his family because it's a family firm. It's, it was he, he and his wife that started it years ago, and now all of their sons are in the business. So now you'll see them do some more things like that where he'll talk about a little bit personal, not about the firm, but about revealing a little bit of his personality and humanizing the firm. And there's a difference between doing that as a way to build trust and simply talking about yourself, which is really what the folks in the, the first example are doing. They're just talking about the firm and how great they are. Here, he's talking about who he is as a human being, and that's a big difference.
0: Yes, and on page five of your newsletter, you put up something that I highlighted. said, we trust people, not firms. Absolutely. And you want to think about that in your marketing. <laughs> how, am I, how can I present myself as a,
1: a human? Yes, you have a firm that you're running, but how can I present myself as a human that's an expert, that's an authority, that's also human and trustworthy? Very good. We could
0: spend two hours on this topic. Probably. I, probably a whole day. But we don't have that. No, and let's, let's move on because I've slowed us down here a little bit. Let's go to principle number two on page six of the newsletter. You talk about confidence. Let's talk about that. Confidence and why. Because <laughs> um, I can take that two different directions. So
1: my contention is that our clients are, are really buying confidence from you. That... The, the reason that they're coming to you is because they have an area of their lives that they are not confident enough in to solve a problem and remove a consequence that they can't stand anymore. And they need to come to you and buy some of your confidence and they need to feel confident in you as a provider. And, and, you know, you've got to really convey to them that you've got a process and a system a mechanism for solving that problem, for removing that consequence. That is what gives them confidence in you.
0: I will tell you, in my 42 years in my business, I bet you I've heard, it wouldn't be exaggeration to say, 200 times in 42 years. I don't understand this, but I have confidence that you understand it and you're looking out for my best interest. That's a powerful, concept because once they know that you have the credibility the knowledge the skills and they have confidence in you that you're looking out for their best interest it's pretty much okay tell me what to do now I don't want all this junk just tell me what to do so John you're
1: in the financial industry specifically you sell life insurance and annuities and investments to people who want to retire and have a really happy retirement a secure retirement as you would call it Well, you know, I I joked about this on our webinar earlier. You can call 1-800-NO-HELP and buy life insurance. Absolutely. And probably investments in annuities. I know you can get investments that way. Sure. Um, And so that's not what people are buying from you. And for those of you who who are listening, no matter what business you're in, people aren't buying the service from you. They're buying you and the confidence that you bring to the table. And yes, they're buying your specific domain knowledge, but really they're coming in so that they can feel confident that they're gonna get a solution about something and that you're gonna be able to deliver it. So they're really buying you. And you've gotta keep that in mind. We all get so caught up in what are all the features we can sell and the benefits of the features and all that. Well, before you get to any of that, you had better make sure that you're delivering them Confidence in you and the process that you
0: have to get to the solution. And you said something powerful there, the word process, because you can buy products anywhere. But what I tell people happened uh, Tuesday, an attorney who wrote a check, fairly large check for a planning fee says, tell me what I'm getting for my fee. And it boiled down to, I said, you're looking for a magic bullet. Here's what you're getting. You're getting my 42 years of experience, knowledge, skill, hopefully some wisdom of helping other people like you. You're not going to get that anywhere else. So what you're buying is me and my experiences with other clients like you. And she says, done, let's move forward. Okay, so so you're 100% correct.
1: So in in the newsletter, I talk about some different ways you can build trust and confidence.
0: Um, I don't know if you want to go through all of those. Well, Um, let's hit this thing called process real quick because I think where most people get in trouble, they don't have a process. So you just hit, we all know the importance of trust. We just hit process for just a minute. Yeah.
1: Well, this will revolutionize your business. Um, and uh, I know it has yours because I know you have a process. I know it has ours. And, you know, when a client comes to us, we're going to work on something very specific with them and in a very specific order. And even if they want to go in a different order, we're not going in a different order. It's as if, you know, you go to the surgeon to cut out the tumor and you say, you know what? I really want you to not start with the incision. You know, I I want you to start someplace else. And the surgeon's like, no, 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 you don't understand. You know, we have a process. This is how we do it. And I don't make my incisions from left to right. I make them from right to left. And that's the only way we do it. You have to have the way that you do the thing that you do and be opinionated about it and believe that, This is the best way to solve this problem and and document that this is the best way to solve this problem. So when you come to us because you need more lead flow, the first thing we're going to tell you is, guess what? We're going to start with, Mr. Professional, we're going to start with referrals because we know that is the best, fastest, lowest risk way to get you the clients that you need. And maybe that'll be enough for you. And that's your stand. And that's our stand because we've proven it. Yeah, you can do all kinds. There are a million other things you could do, but that's not the way we do it because we know this way works. So you got to have that process and have the confidence to convey
0: that. That process would even incorporate your way of going about getting those referrals, those introductions, like your referral kit and all, too, wouldn't it? Absolutely, absolutely, multi multi, multifaceted. I tell you, we're gonna do another time. We can't do this today. I want to dig dig deeper to this, and it might take a good hour and a half to two hours to do it, but we need to do this not only for people in your world, but people that in my world. Absolutely. All right, let's do this. Let's jump over to principle number three, purity of intent. Now, you know I love this one. Yeah, I
1: stole this from you,
0: by the way. (laughs) Well, let's talk about purity of intent. To me, purity of intent means this, and I want you to give us your version of it. Purity of intent means that I am going to do whatever it takes to take care of you, my client. I use the analogy, I used to use the analogy of being a shepherd protecting my flock. No more. I use the analogy of being the sheepdog, financial sheepdog protecting my clients because the wolves are trying to get them. The wolves would be a metaphor for taxation, stock market losses, et cetera, et cetera. So my purity of intent is to make sure that my intentions are pure in taking care of you, my client. If I always stick with that principle, then I don't have to worry about telling you something that's improper. It makes me lead a life professionally that I could look you down and say I did everything that was in your best interest, and not have to worry about it. So, give us your view on that. Yeah,
1: well, I I agree, and and again, I think I, I learned this from you. I don't know how long ago, but a long time ago, and and uh, you know, and I think it's a powerful thing. Um, You know, most people go out into marketing and sales to try and sell something, and we all need to do that. It's important, believe me, I love selling just as much as the next guy. But you've got to lead with this posture of, I'm going out into the world to make this impact that our business is created to make. And, um, And the result of making that impact of helping the people that we're in business to help is that we're going to get lots of business out of it, but it's not the other way around. It's not that we're going to get lots of business and then serve those people. It's that we're going to go serve people and that's our intent. And we're going to get lots of business because of that, because people will see
0: your intent. Absolutely. And if you, if you go out and you provide information as you put it here, you educate them. If you're creating value, Whether you get a sale or not, enough people are going to be attracted to you because of that.
1: Yeah. Well, so, I mean, we all have, everybody listening to this is in some sort of a service business, all professionals, right? Correct. Everybody's selling at a high ticket. So they're not selling McDonald's hamburgers. They're selling, you know, stuff that's three, four, five, you know, thousand up to six-figure, seven-figure contracts, some of our clients, right? Correct. And um, we don't have the advantage that the product guys have. So a few years ago, there was a blender company called Blendtec that just went totally viral. They make this super powerful blender. And one of their um, engineers got on there and took one of the original iPhones back when you couldn't get one of these things because they'd all sold out and took one, stuck it in a blender and said, will it blend? Okay. (laughs) And it was a demonstration of how powerful that particular product was. Billy Mays, the late Billy Mays, who was well-known for his product demonstrations. In fact, that's how they would decide what he and his partner would promote was based on how it was able to be demonstrated because they knew that was so powerful. Well, you know, John, you can't demonstrate to me, at least I hope, how my life insurance policy is going to work. Well, you don't want to see that. (laughs) No, not anytime soon. So, um, you know, it's really hard for us in – in these types of businesses, to demonstrate that. So the way you do that is you demonstrate um, your intent, and you demonstrate actually what
0: you do through education. By the way, I can indeed demonstrate what your policy would do for you while living, and also upon your passing for your family. But that's another whole topic for later. All right. Anything else you want to share regarding this uh, intent? Well, I again in the
1: newsletter I talk about you know intent by. Uh, demonstrating intent by education. So if you're educating people, you're taking the knowledge that you have and you're sharing it freely without the fear that somebody's going to rip you off, without the fear that, you know, some do-it-yourselfer is going to get it and, and, you know, they're not your client anyway. Um, If you share it freely, people will very quickly be attracted to that because they see that you're not out just for selfish reasons. The other way to think about intent is, is by courage and uh and john you're very very good at this um the the way you show intent by courage is you challenge people a lot of people when they get in a sales situation they're so damn desperate because they don't have enough lead flow that they got to close everybody that they're in front of that they don't have any courage there the the prospect is really the one in charge they've got to have that close to pay the bills and i understand that you know and there was a point in in my life where I was there. Thankfully, I didn't have to be there very long. And what you've got to get to is this place of courage where you can push back on prospects, but you do it in a way that isn't mean. It's not nasty. it's It's not even, maybe it's a little confrontational, but I don't even think that's the right word. It's more about accountability. So Prospects will tell you all kinds of things because a lot of times their thinking isn't clear. And if you don't have the ability to be strong enough and courageous enough to challenge their thinking,
0: then you really can't serve them very well. I learned a word from a friend of mine several years ago. Instead of being confrontational, be confrontational. Sure. Show that you care. Very good. Let's talk about principle number four, risk reduction. Yeah. Um, This is a biggie. (laughs) They're all big, but this is a biggie because in our world today... People are afraid of taking risks. They're worried about getting ripped off. We're the most untrusting world that I've seen in my 42 years in business.
1: Well, so I chose that word reduction intentionally. Um, a lot is talked about in, in marketing about risk reversal. Yes. In other words, you know, you see all these guarantees, you'll get all your money back and all of that. Well, that's really hard to do in our types of businesses. Um I mean, maybe in some you can do it, but um, I know when I was, you know, doing large uh, engineering and and and, uh, and uh, the mapping projects that we would do, I couldn't put a guarantee on that. I mean, we were doing million-dollar projects. I was paying people. Um, there was no money-back guarantee on that. Um, there was the performance guarantee that we were going to complete the work we were contracted to complete, but uh, we couldn't reverse all of the risk, you know, and, and I think in a lot of cases, risk reversal is actually dangerous for your clients, because especially if you're doing any kind of work where you're trying to transform them from some current state to some future state that they want, along the path of that transformation, they're going to get scared. And if they have an exit door, then they may take it. Mm-hmm. And that's not in their interest going back to purity of intent, okay. you know? And so, you want them to be committed to you, but at the same time, it it's useful and necessary to reduce their risk. Um, one of the ways we do this, we don't do um, refunds. I mean, even on our newsletter, we don't give you a refund. You know, in fact, I say it on the the, the sales page for the, the newsletter, look, if 97 bucks a month is too much for you to risk, we ain't the right place for you. And, <laughs> Um, and that's okay. I've forgotten that. It's been a while since I've seen that, but you are, right? That's okay. I, I, I'm fine with that. You know, and um, with our, our consulting clients, we don't, you know, we don't offer refunds, but our commitment is that we're going to keep working with you until we get you the result that you came here to get. So that reduces the risk. There are ways you can reduce risk creatively, and it's worth thinking through how to do that for your clients.
0: I love it. I love it. Okay, let's go to principle number five. You know, focus is a powerful word. I love this word. I use it as one of my worksheets to collect information. So I love this word focus. And I'll be honest, I've not taken the time to read this section. So please uh, talk to us about focus.
1: Well, I mean, uh, um, the first line there in
0: the newsletter is focus equals speed. It says everything to me right there. I love that, it.
1: That's kind of our mantra around here. The more focused you can get, the faster you can move because you remove all the distractions and the noise and and you can actually act on the things that are going to have an impact in your business. It's when you start to spread yourself, you know, thin and you're trying to do a bunch of different things that you begin to really have problems and and the progress is excruciatingly slow. But what we found is that when you can focus, whether it's on your ideal client, whether it's on focusing on referrals before trying 15 other types of marketing, um, no matter what that focus is, anytime we focus or we watch our clients focus,
0: they speed up. Well, you've seen that in my, in my business with the help you've given me from the standpoint of saying, hey, John, you know, it looks like you've gotten you've strayed away from your process or your ideal client. Because to me, those two go together. If I have a process that serves an ideal client and I stray from that, now I'm having to reinvent the wheel because my process may not be aligned with that other person that I'm trying to get as a client. And not only does it give you speed, it gives you confidence and it also frees up time to think about other things. So the speed is important, but it also puts me in a position that takes less of my time and my team. I got three full-time people supporting me, so... Their time is my time because I'm paying for it. So if I can focus into where we're spending less time on rethinking, the reinventing the wheel, mm-hmm. then everything goes faster, but it also saves me a lot of time and money.
1: Yeah. Well, look, opportunity is everywhere. I mean, literally it is everywhere. And that's a blessing and a curse. Yes, it is. Um, it can be really, really distracting. Um, and it's important to have some criteria about what you're going to say yes to and, more importantly, what you're going to say no to. But um, the the big objection I get to focus from uh, business owners is, yeah, but I don't want to give up this or I don't want to give up that. Well, You know, you can't do everything. There's seven billion people on the planet. They're not all going to be your clients. And you probably don't need that many anyway. And if you've got to have that many to make the business work, you've got a really bad business model because that doesn't sound like a fun business to me. So you just popped my
0: bubble. I thought everybody (laughs) out there should be my client. Sorry, John. In fact, I'm pretty sure everybody shouldn't be your client. Uh, I agree with that a thousand percent. Let's talk about compelling offer. Number six here.
1: Yeah, this one's a biggie.
0: Um, I think it's the most difficult one too. It
1: is. It takes a long time. Um, you know, sometimes it, as we're working with a business, sometimes it'll take them a a year to get to that point. And, and the reason it takes so long is, um, and I'd love to stand here and say, look, we're magic. We can come up with that compelling offer in, you know, a two hour, you know, strategy session with you. I'd love to tell you that. If anybody ever tells you that, start running the other direction (laughs) fast because the only people that have the answer on what a compelling offer looks like are your prospects. The people who are actually going to pay you money. Right. And,
0: and, and the truth is they're the only ones who really matter.
1: No, yeah. Nobody else matters at all. So, so the, the way that you get to a compelling offer is you start testing offers on people who can actually pay you. And... You'll know when you hit on the right one, because all of a sudden, there'll be a lot of little green pieces of paper sitting in your bank vault. (laughs) Um, And so, but coming up with a compelling offer is difficult and it's time consuming, but it's worthy because once you get there, life becomes a lot easier. You now are aligned with what people actually want and they're willing to pay for. And I got to tell you, there are, are... it is very rare for me to see a business that spent very much time thinking about their offer. They go, I'm in the IT business, so I do X. I'm in financial services, so I do Y. And it's the same offer that everybody else has, and it's not dialed into their ideal client. Same of, same old. Yeah. So there's no differentiation. There's no advantage to working with them over anybody else. Um, and so, you know, it does take some time to get there, but, uh, but it's absolutely worthy of giving thought and working
0: through. Well, let's address that a little deeper. On page 12, second paragraph, I'm going to read this verbatim. A compelling offer to your prospects is one that delivers relief from the consequences they can no longer live with. It delivers that relief while reducing one or two biggest risks slash fears they have. Expand on that.
1: Thanks so much. Now back to the interview. Well, so um, folks listening should, should know this because I, I talk about this a lot. Um, nobody spends any money to solve a problem. They spend money to either alleviate a really bad consequence that they can't live with any longer. It's too painful. Or they spend money to acquire a really good consequence. So I just spent a whole bunch of money to pack the family up to go to Ireland this summer for a vacation. That's a really good consequence. I was willing to spend a lot of money for that. Um, And, you know, so those are, that's it. And until you get focused on those things, it's going to be really, really hard to acquire clients. Um, If you can do that and then look at, you don't have to, you don't have to reduce all of their risks. But I mean, even if you can just take the biggest one that's like flashing red, like in their head, like a stoplight and you can reduce that or at least show that it's really not as big of a risk as they think it is, because oftentimes that's the truth, then, uh, then all of this becomes much, much easier. Because what you're doing is you're putting in front of them what they really, really want, which is that good consequence or the elimination of the bad one. Mm-hmm. And you're taking away the roadblock, the thing that is just driving them nuts in the back of their mind, for why this won't work for them. And if you do those two things and only focus on those two things, you're you're
0: pretty good at that point. I love it. I like to tell people my job is to help you eliminate or at least reduce the financial threats that you're facing. And the more I can tune in to what I know is causing them pain, and I do that by what? Asking questions, knowing my client, then I'm able to help them have that compelling, reason to have that conversation with me or to take action. All right, good. Uh, anything else on compelling um, reasons here or you want to move on?
1: I mean, I could go on for a long time, but I know we're short on time.
0: I know, we're going to have a few minutes left because you want to take questions today too, I believe. Principle number seven, persistence. This one I love. Give us your take on this one. So um, for those that have been around for a long time, they'll know that
1: um, that, one of my favorite quotes is from President Calvin Coolidge. And uh, I actually have it hanging on my wall here in the office. And, um, you know, the, the punchline of the quote is um, nothing in the world can take the place of persistence. Persistence alone is omnipotent. Leading up to that, Coolidge says, you know, talent isn't going to help you. Uh, smarts aren't going to help you credentials aren't going to help I mean, he lists all these things out none of this is going to help you and he gives examples you know there's a lot of smart people who are destitute yeah. you know all, all these things and he said the only thing that really matters is
0: persistence if you read the whole thing it's powerful uh, for years I had it uh, on my wall and I framed yeah. and I took it down because it just got pushed aside yeah well
1: in fact if you go to the about page on our website it's there and, um, and it's there for a reason I think that's the differentiator because the people who are strong enough to persist win. Always. Period. Stay in the game. Yeah, and I mean,
0: and that's it. And so, um, well, you know, well, hang on a second. You said that's it. Let's talk about how you develop persistence though, because you got a lot of people who will give lip service to persistence, but the very minute that the tough that the battle gets tough, they go hide. So let's spend a couple of minutes talking about how do you develop and or maintain that persistence. So what is it that you think guides you to maintain the persistence? Because it's got to be something you really want badly enough to make you stay in the game. Uh, it's got to be that. You, you've got to be going after a goal that, that fires
1: you up. Um, part of it's a mindset that if you decide that's where you're going, that you're going. And it's not to say that you don't quit. I mean, sometimes, I mean, you and I both read uh, The Dip by Seth Godin.
0: Sometimes you should quit. Sometimes,
1: sometimes you should quit. There are things we've, you know, we've quit on right. um, because it was the smart decision to make. The key is when do you quit. When do you quit and, and what are your criteria for that? Um, but those are on individual little things, you know, not on the big thing I'm going after typically. So, um, I mean, everybody deals with this if you've been in business for a little while. So, we're in our seventh year. I didn't realize that until a little while ago. I've been doing this for seven years on top of my first career, right? And, uh, you know, most businesses don't make it to the end of the first year. So That's right. um, We had tons of bumps along the way. Tons of bumps along the way. But, you know, you have this vision that and, and this idea of these people that you exist to help and you just keep going towards that. Now, you want to get practical with this for a minute because I like the practical. There are some things I do on a daily basis to make sure this happens because um, otherwise there's bad stuff happening in the world all the time. Never. There's never a day I have where everything goes perfectly to plan.
0: I don't think any of us do.
1: No. So how do you deal with that? So, number one, I work on my fitness a lot. Um, I've, in fact, this last two weeks, I've uh, had a shoulder and a back injury and haven't worked out much. And uh, I can tell a difference uh, when I'm working out every day. Um, and I work out typically five days a week. I know you do five or five or six days a week. Um, I'm significantly more confident, um, just internally. So that's important. Um, I read, and I'm always consuming new ideas because I find ideas inspiring and keep, they keep me moving forward. Um, and I work on the the spiritual side and, uh, you know, I make sure I breathe, uh, anytime I'm, I'm feeling a, a moment of, you know, anxiety and everybody feels this way. It's just, how do you, how do you respond to it when it happens? Um, and so, You know, I've been going through some of the breathing exercises in a book that you shared with me called Unbeatable Mind by Mark Devine. And I've noticed that when I breathe deeply, really deeply for a minute or two, man, there's no stress anymore. Life is good again. So little things like that have helped me over the years stay persistent, stay unstoppable, as we would call it. Um, And you've got to figure out what that is for you. And, and know what those things are and, and keep coming back to them because this is a marathon. This is not a sprint. As, as much as all the gurus out there want you to think this is a sprint to, you know, you can go from zero to a billion dollars next year. Um, I, I'm, I'm not that interested in that because rockets that go up really fast fall back down really fast. And I had a, uh, my first business was one that we grew quickly but not out of control and we grew consistently and it was a great business. And I'm glad I'm doing what I'm doing now because I love this more than I did the technical work, but we've built the same way. We've grown quickly, but not outstripped our capabilities. And um, and just having that day in, day out, systematic forward progress is important.
0: Love it. I love it. I think once a month we should do this. Let's just take the newsletter. Talk the <laughs> I don't know. We'll have
1: to ask everybody have, what they think about this.
0: Well, if they don't want to do it, you and I just do it together. we so go. Get, we usually do it over breakfast or lunch anyway, taking it out. But uh, do you want to take time now and cover these seven questions or use that as a teaser and let people go back and read it later and take questions from the your your? Members? Yeah. So
1: in the newsletter, there are seven questions that I think you should ask before you implement something new in your business, particularly in your marketing. I'm going to leave that as a cliffhanger for for those who don't have the newsletter uh, in front of them right now. Go read those seven questions they're on page 14. John, what I do want to talk about real briefly here, and then we'll take some some questions, is um, on page uh, 15 of the newsletter, um, there's a thing there called the Growth Mindset Scorecard, and this is something new that we've created. And... um, And I've been really amazed at the response to this. We've gone through it with some of our clients. um, And I'd like, if it's all right with you, just talk about that for a
0: minute. I like this tool. I have, full disclosure, I have not created my version of this yet. I'm still using my scorecard. It's working for me. But I love this format. So I need you to help me get that done.
1: So what we did is we sat down and and I, I thought about, our three best clients ever and i thought about our three nightmare clients the ones that drove us crazy and um and i thought about like how do they think what's the mindset that they have and that led me to these eight different categories or mindsets accountability investment multiplier opportunity abundance iterate to win systems approach resourceful worldview and and now um, versus mastery. And then I started writing down, okay, well, for these three individuals, six total, on each end of the spectrum, how did they think in terms of this particular dimension? So with accountability, our best clients would say something like, Yeah, yeah look, I understand, you know, that my own success is really the result of, of the action that I personally take, you know, that I'm I'm here working with you guys to get help, but you know, I know you're not going to do it for me. It's my job to carry it forward. So we started that and that's kind of how we put this together. We did the same thing for the clients that that ultimately, you know, were a challenge to work with and um, and laid all of that out. And, and then we knew that there were some steps in between that a lot of the clients that when we started working with them, they were. Honestly, in that second column over on some of the items, they might have rated themselves a four five or six on the scorecard um, because they could see a bigger vision, but they just weren't quite sure how to get there yet. And what this has really allowed us to do is have conversations with people and ask them, OK, so, you know, just take a few minutes and rate yourself. Where where are you in uh, terms of, of your thinking? And that'll tell us if we're a fit for one another. Because what we found, and we don't tell them this up front, but, you know, we look at it together and we say, okay, well, you know, if they score themselves all down the line as a, a one, two, three, you know what? We're probably not a fit to work together. Let me recommend some other resources for you that might get you started.
0: Okay. To help all of us for a moment, why would you say they're not a fit?
1: Well, they're not a fit because in, what they're telling us in the way that they've answered this is they don't have
0: a growth mindset. They're telling you what their mindset is just by exactly score
1: and I think that's the most important thing to, to determine whether or not a client's going to really be a good client, long term client for you. See, I'm I'm really interested in, in acquiring lifelong clients. You've been a client of of mine for 10 years. Um, we have a number of clients that are you know over five years with us. Um, we tend to accumulate clients; they tend not to go away, and that's the way I like it. it. Tells me we're doing something right. And the only way to do that is to have a way to figure out if we've got a compatible mindset with one another, if we're a fit. So we've kind of codified that um, here and, and given, given ourselves a way to work through this with somebody and any answer is okay. It's, it's better that we find out that we're not a fit now.
0: Oh, it's not right or wrong either. No. It's just
1: where they are. Just where they are. You know, We found that folks that are in the, the sort of the seven, eight, nine, if, if they're pretty much all down that column, they actually don't have a growth mindset either. They've been very successful, but they're happy with where they're at. And we find that people who are happy with where they're at really don't need us. You know, so we're we're really focused on people who want to grow and who are committed to that. And even if they aren't there yet or don't know how to do it yet, that's really our job to come in and, and take them there. And for people who are there like you, um, you know, we, we help amplify what they're doing.
0: Okay. I have people accuse me and and wonder at age 64 why I'm so such a growth mindset mode all the time. I said, hell, I'll be the alternative. you either (laughs) grow forward or you go go backwards, you grow under the ground,
1: right? (laughs) Um, So anyway, I know we've, we took more time than I thought we would on this, but hopefully this has been valuable for folks. Hey, it's Steve. I I hope this has been really beneficial for you. Um, And if it has been, and if you've pulled some, some nuggets out of this that you can use, Uh, some insights you can use, drop me a line, send me an email at uh, steve at unstoppableceo.net. I'd love to hear from you. And uh, please go over to iTunes and give us a rating. And uh, you can do that directly by going to unstoppableceo.net forward slash iTunes. Thanks so much.
0: Thanks for listening to the Unstoppable CEO podcast. Help others discover this show. Leave a review and rating on iTunes at unstoppableceo.net forward slash iTunes.